brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with the military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. Be sure to enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast. And in support of women in developing countries, head over to CombatFlipFlops.com and become part of their unarmed forces today. And by Beneath. Starting with the first thing that you put on in the morning, Beneath inspires you to be your most authentic self. Get ready to experience increased comfort that radically outperforms anything that you've tried before while leaving minimal impact on Mother Earth. Use the code UNITY to get 15% off at checkout at Beneath.com. That's B-N-3-T-H.com. Fuck this, you don't need an intro. What am I talking about? Your griff, nobody needs an intro if you're you. Okay, so yeah, hold on. So I watched that Fox interview, that one that you just posted, like the one that you posted before. I watched that whole thing. You're so fucking stern. You just sit there and you're like, they're like, so he's like, you can see him. He's like tapping his, he's tapping there and he's got his foot going and he's so, so like, what do you, what do you, what do you think we can change? What do you think we could have done differently? And you're like, well, let me tell you everything about everything in every single tone in the most terrifying way fucking possible. Make you feel it in your goddamn bones. And I'm just like, oh man, this guy looked, he looked terrified. And so he should, he should look terrified. He, it's terrifying. So I wanted to have you on. Um, this is coming out tomorrow. Um, so actually tonight at midnight, I guess tomorrow, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I want to have you on. Number one, um, you have been getting, you've got successfully, you've got an interpreter out uh, with his wife. And you have gotten them safely to another country because of the forethought of an officer, which I very rarely commend officers. But with you, with fucking forethought, you got him out before it was the disaster that it was over the weekend with the fall of the fucking country. Um, Well, thank you for uh, thank you for sharing my dirty, nasty officer secret with everybody. I appreciate you doing that. Well, you knew what you got when we became friends. <laughs> like fucking yeah. knew you knew what you walked yourself into. Let's be honest. Okay. I'm going to read something right now. I'm probably going to mispronunciate some of the words because I'm not as smart as you, but this hit me. Um, somebody actually wrote a comment on this and I want to echo that feeling uh, aggressively. They said to you, um, not only did this hit a nerve, but this fucking tap danced all along every single one. And this thing hit me in a way that I haven't felt in a decade because I've done this thing where I try to be a good person and try not to hate people. And I try to love everyone and give them an opportunity. Fuck that. So this is why I've had this feeling for a decade of my life. So you graciously wrote this along with one other individual. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Scott Chapman. Yeah. He's okay. a guy that I served. With. He, he, was, he was one of my team leaders in the Rangers. Yep. Yeah, I was just going to say, so yeah, he's an OGA, Blackwater alumni, entrepreneur and author, combat vet, 21 times Afghanistan, one in Iraq. God, I hate myself when I read that shit. I complain about one. You guys are over here like, let me double digits that bitch. Okay. All right. Seriously, though. So this was written by you guys, uh, written in Taliban. The first time I saw you was in the, how do you pronounce that? Cyber? Is it cyber? Kyber. Kyber. Okay. So the first time I saw you was in the Kyber Pass. You came with your technology, elite fighters, fueled by revenge and the debris you believed you could disprove history. It was what, this was a war that you didn't have the stomach to fight, but I'm glad you tried. We bled you the same way we bled the Soviets in our holy land. We bled you the same way the Vietnamese bled you in their homeland. We did it patiently and deliberately. 
patience, something Westerners will never learn. Our history is millennial. You don't yearn for an early victory when it when the infidel rages our holy land. Our victory is celebrated decades from now. We've endured, then ravaged every standing military that crossed our borders. Why? How? We're patient. In 30 days, we'll be stronger, richer, and have control over precious natural resources you need for your pathetic life dedicated by comfort, dictated by comfort. We will have women, riches, land, guns, and ownership of one of the greatest chapters in military history. You lose. And if you want to try again, we welcome the challenge. You will fail regardless of how much money you burn in our deserts. For pity, here is free advice that, come, that may contribute to your future success. Should you ever decide to invade again, you recruit your warriors and supporters from a drug-addicted, distracted, disillusioned population that obsesses with comfort and entertainment, a population obsessed with altering their mundane reality, alcohol, marijuana, pills, and our new favorite, Tide Pods. Every time your doctors prescribe opioid painkillers, you line our coffers with gold. Our population's thirst for its pristine heroin has never been more lucrative for our warrior tribes. We keep feeding you poison for as long, and we will keep feeding you poison for as long as you keep your hands out. If your population wasn't so spineless, undisciplined, and self-loathing, then you might be able to compile a raiding party with enough tenacity to outthink ours. Our fighters are born into war, raised in it. It's a way of life that invades your first world nations. They live a life of such immense misery and pain that they're willing to fight barefoot in the snow for the opportunity to martyr themselves. They yearn for the opportunity to die when they do have the blessing, the blessed opportunity to sacrifice themselves. They sit above Muhammad at the right hand of God, blessed in Allah for eternity. What honors do your fighters receive? Their empty sacrifice is remembered in the form of a three-day weekend. The majority of your population uses this sacred time to get drunk and grow more fat as a way to celebrate their fallen warriors. Sadly, we pay tribute to their death more honorably. The colored pieces of cloth you pin on your chest are similar to jewelry worn by our women. What good are accolades and vanity if you don't have the stomach to endure the fight? We don't offer a burden of health care to our fighters as they often want to die for Allah. Your fighters fight to live. Their inability to reconcile the inevitable outcome of our patients leads them to kill themselves. Your medications, counselors, and nonprofits will never undo the pain and suffering we force them to endure. It will never remove the pain we've caused your broken nation. You are your own worst enemy. We will give your fighters credit. Some are creative, tenacious, and fierce. They outgun us in every way possible. But again, we simply will wait them out because Allah is patient. You cycle them through our holy land every three to 12 months for their combat rotations. After their tour is complete, they return to their comfort of their warm beds and endless entertainment. If you left them here in our holy land with no way out but to win, then you might have had us a chance of success. The longer you poisoned our holy land with your presence, your rules of engagement only strengthen our position. There is only one rule in war, and that is to win. 
your comrades, your commanders made you fight with your hands tied behind your back. Your rules also confused our fighters too. We're clearly the enemy. Why are you letting us go? Why are they letting us go? Thank you for your compassion as it allows our fighters to kill more infidels. We begin to feel as if your commanders were on our side. We're thankful for your most vicious dogs. We're never allowed off their leash. Your showcase generals make us laugh. You spend millions of dollars flying them around our country, inventing new ways to win while ignoring the guidance of the most capable foes. Your generals make decisions to minimize risk of their fragile reputation and the ultimate goal of securing a lucrative retirement job, jobs with suppliers that fuel your losing force, a self-serving circle that's built around the backs on the backs of the youngest and most naive fighters. You retired generals earn tens of thousands of dollars talking to your politicians, industrial and financial leaders about the team winning and discipline. It's a mockery of the war they refuse to fight. It's a mockery of the infidel warriors who died in our lands. We urge you to continue following their vicious personalities so we can further watch your great nation collapse. Your statesmen and elected officials are spineless, narcissists and more cowardly than your generals. They, they, crave power, oh, they crave power above all else. They came to our country, hid behind glass walls, and only heed the word of the indigenous leaders they put, they put in power. I believe your soldiers call this a self-licking ice cream cone. They've buried billions, they burned billions of dollars in a wasted effort to bring clean water, electricity, business, education, agriculture, and exports to a region that just asked, did not, that just didn't ask for it. You should have saved yourself the effort and simply given the money directly to us. Don't worry though, your diplomatic friends gave us plenty of your American tax dollars. If you want to give us another shot with your soft power, then those real experiences, not fancy degrees and silver tongues. Over the next few months, we will make the world understand that you failed worse than any victory for any fighting force that has ever invaded our land. And today we celebrate victory. As you evacuate your embassy, our fighters will be standing in the shade. Our RPG marksmen will be patient. We thank you for these parting gifts. You'll find surface-to-air missiles staged in the back of Toyota pickup trucks that you purchased for us. We saw what Extortion 17 did to your nation and the morale of your fighting force. Do your citizens even remember that victory? We'll be repeating and improving upon our victory while your citizens and sympathizers evacuate in disgrace. Every one of your foes around the world will know exactly how to break you. You are welcome to fly your empty drones, target our cell phones and send your spies, but they too will ultimately fail. We'll use their failures to show the world that you are not all powerful. You're a false front, an empty shell. You lie, cheat, steal, and are easily defeated because you lack the spine to fight. This is your history now. We're grateful Allah gave us the opportunity to show the world just how to defeat the infidels. We look forward to seeing you again across the battlefield. Praise be to Allah, the Taliban. Yeah. 
right. It's really uh, it's really interesting to hear people read it from their perspective. Why is that? Yeah, I've had uh, I've had uh, you know, several people that I really respect say they like were crying while they read it. Yeah, it's because yeah. they know it to be true. Like people say, I threw my phone and I had to pick it up and I had to read again and I threw my phone again. I punched a wall. And uh, I think the challenge is, is that as much as people wave the flag and thank us for our service and tie yellow ribbons and watch all the movies and buy all the books, when we actually speak up and get people to think and it causes a, a significant amount of cognitive dissonance, which means it's contrary to what you're told is true. Right. Um, people just funnel us in the file of disgruntled angry veteran. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's what they say. Oh, these guys are just disgruntled angry vets. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, we and just the sentiment everyone. that I've got. Yeah. And, and the, the sentiment that I've gotten from a significant number of people that I respect, these are doctors, these are biblical scholars. These are people who were fighters and then changed their life for the better afterwards. They said, you were able to articulate what all of us have been feeling for two decades. This yeah. is a generation of warriors who knew this truth, who knew what we were going against. And yet all of the people that could have made a difference, who could have listened to us, who could have saved lives, ignored us, and they carried on down the path into this outcome. Thank you for writing it. That's, that's the sentiment that I get from, from us, like thousands of people now are hitting us. It's unbelievable. It's um, the first time I read it, I was in bed with Brady and I just started bawling my fucking eyes out. And um, it is really hard to read when you know what they sound like and you know what it smells like and you know what it feels like and you know what it tastes like. The walk, the, the demeanor, the behavior, the the fighter itself that it's coming from it hits in a way that is uh to your fucking core i feel that on um you and i when we first met we talked a lot about my hatred towards and i still and i'm getting better and definitely i've gotten much further now ever since we met the first time but I don't see them even as people because I have such hatred. When you wrote this, oh man, it got me real bad. Yeah. It's, um, it's a challenge. Yeah, I think uh, it's the, the whole line of know your enemy. And we've spent over a trillion dollars injured tens of thousands, killed thousands of our own troops without knowing our enemy. Nope. And then and, and for people who don't understand and you're listening to us and you haven't been there, like I'll explain it in a couple different ways. Um, people ask me, what was the turning point? When did we start losing? And if you ask me, it was 2005. And this is when I made the decision. Jesus, to that the was early. 16 years ago 
Yeah, like I, I made the decision to get out in 2005 because of what I saw downrange. Okay, so that's why you, that's where you thought it was starting to go down. Okay, so I didn't realize that you, it was that early on into it that it was already going south. Yeah, and the, um, yeah, sorry, lunch just showed up. It's cool. So, man. The, uh, so Lee, I'm on a podcast. So you just gotta be quiet. What's up, Lee? Yeah. This is my business partner, Lee, my, one of my fire supporters, Rangers, the worst private in history, literally okay. one of the worst privates in history. We so all have our up. cross to bear. We all have it. Nice shirt. I, bro, yeah. that was dope. That was, <laughs> that was, is it video? Bro, yeah. yeah this is video yeah. and audio, yeah. yeah. That was fantastic. <laughs> so he'll, he'll be it. in the background stuffing his face on this podcast. Hopefully his Look. vacuous eating does not interfere with your audio. Well, good thing um, that your video just froze. So I've got him in like a, oh, he's gone. There you go. I got a beautiful yeah, screenshot. Good. So, so tell me, so that's when you got out and that's why is because the things you saw downrange. Now, what were we seeing well, no, that was swaying you? So I was a fire supporter. And what people don't know is I was the guy with the radios rolling around with the infantry that when we got into a nasty firefight, I would call in the attack helicopters. I would call in the planes. And there were so many times, and I even got into trouble over this in an active firefight where somebody got wounded, right? There wasn't a civilian casualty. But I spent four years at the United States Military Academy. I spent six months in fire support school at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. I spent three months in ranger school. I had to get a year in training at a conventional unit. I got specially trained in special operations to go do this job to go put eyes on target. I would literally jump out of an airplane in the middle of the night, climb over a mountain and sit in a hole for a day and a half just to verify that the target that we were gonna shoot was correct. That innocent right. people wouldn't get hurt. And in 2005, we saw targets where bad guys were on and we're like, all right, hey, let's go get it. Let's go get eyes on. And they go, no, we're just gonna send a drone and smoke this house. And then they, they launch hellfires into a home and innocent people are hurt. They took the moral responsibility out of it. I remember being at the United States Military Academy in 2000, you know, 1999 to 2001, and they were talking about drones. And this is the center of thought for the military and defense in the world. And there could not be one moral argument made for using drones, unmanned aerial strikes against target where you could not confirm that innocents weren't going to be hurt. Right. Why was this? But we started... But what, what, who was, who was commander in chief at that time? Oh, that was Bush. So those commands were being loosely just, they had a little more freedom. What was their, the rules of engagement? What were the rules of engagement in 2005? It's less risky to us soldiers and service members to do it this way. And it's more cost-effective. Project. All right. So let's, let's just follow this along here. Right. So we just started like schwack a mole with drones mm -hmm. because it was easy. We could push a button. Some guy sitting in Las Vegas, Nevada could fly a drone. Some guy could authorize the target. It gets pushed up and down the chain, go, boom. Our innocent casualties are done. And then they changed the rules of engagement in like 2008 timeframe when Obama got into office that anybody over the age of 16 and male is now considered a combatant. Oh, shit. So let's follow this down the train, right? So then they started doing this in Pakistan. They started doing this all over Afghanistan. So just imagine that you've got a son right? And he's 17 years old and he's out hanging out with his friends and some of his friends get into a bad group and one of them has got a cell phone on him. and they're mm -hmm. going to a party and he has too much to drink, catches a ride home. And then that vehicle gets smoked out of the ground by a hellfire. 
the next morning, when you go to collect the body parts of your son out of that wrecked vehicle, you find missile parts that say United States of America all over them. How do you yeah. as a parent feel about the United States of America? Well, you're putting everything you have into taking that out now for the rest of your life. Correct. All right. Now, totally separate side of it. Is the internet good? We just cut out. No, no, no. Your, your voice okay. is fine. Okay. Your video froze. All right. All right. So let's, let's go there to the, go. let's go to the religious side of it. A lot of people don't understand martyrs and suicide bombers and everything else from the Islamic religion, because generally we come from a Judeo-Christian society. Well, if you read the Quran and you read a little bit about the subject, Muhammad is their prophet, right? Mm -hmm. Allah is the only God, right? So Muhammad is under God, but he was the prophet that came and spread the words, kind of like our Jesus Christ. That's what we can say. Okay. When you martyr yourself for their religion, right, to to further the cause of Islam, to, to seek revenge, to kill the infidel, you receive a blessing in which you sit above Muhammad, above the prophet at the right hand of God forever. So not only are they avenging the death of their family, but then they get blessed in eternity to sit next to Allah. Yeah. How hard would that be to convince somebody into that when their family has been smoked out of the sky? You know, like, we're doing it, it to ourselves. We, we're, we are our own worst enemy. And I try to explain this to people. Um, hang on for one second. Guys, I'm on a podcast. No worries. Yeah. Worries. Um, yeah, it's kind of busy around the office. We're on a full-on media blitz because of this thing right now. Yeah, I understand. Don't worry. I'll edit. I'll edit. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. I got you. Um, and so that's like when we started turning the tables. We started creating back in 2005 an army for the enemy by just stepping on our own cranks through what, you know, our military and political leaders would be safer for our service members and more efficient for our country. Look at how much, how many billions or trillions of dollars have we poured down the pipe since then? Oh, it's just disgusting. It's not even all fucking tracked at this point because we can't see black budgets. We don't know really how much money has actually fully gone into everything. And I feel like whatever they're saying it is, it's, it's more than that at, at a minimum, you actually think going to tell the general public the exact amount of money they just wasted over 20 years of their tax like they're not going to do that they're barely they're barely hanging on to to people's attention at this point they're just feeding bullshit what can you explain the severity of how we just decided to pull out of that country and the ramifications and the level of to the people that are listening that do not understand when people are like, oh, we left Afghanistan. Yay. We're not fighting a war anymore. We're not, we're not sending our soldiers over there anymore. We're not spending taxpayer, taxpayer dollars, but can you please explain to the people how bad what just happened was and why it was that bad? How big is the population of Surrey, BC, where you guys live near there? You're asking questions. Uh, do you want me to look this up? Now I feel like. No, no, no. Okay. All right. So let's just, let's just say this, right? We're going to say round rough numbers from what we know. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this is a hyper-conservative number. This is way under, but we're going to say a hundred thousand people were killed in what would be known using no other word other than genocide in Iraq after we pulled out right during the Obama administration. 
So mostly all of Surrey. I just looked. That's yeah, there are about 150,000 just plus roughly. Uh, that's a quick glance. So yeah, all of Surrey is basically wiped out in a mass genocide. That's the level we're talking about. Correct. Um, and they were done and, you know, they were using weapons left over from the Iraqi National Army that we left. They had forward-looking infrared radar. They had all the stuff that they couldn't, like, that they had all the weapons that we left over through them because their forces got up and fight and they just grabbed them. Right. And they rolled through that town. And I, I got to see this. I was in Mosul in 2017 during the Mosul offensive to take back the city. I built schools in Yazidi refugee camps. And I got to stand among seas of tents of women and their kids growing vegetables five feet outside of their tent opening to grow food because their towns were ravaged. Those who could make it out made it out. But, you know, 85 to 90 percent of their villages were just straight up murdered with weapons left over from our country. And they were on the run and they were seeking refuge in Kurdistan. Those same guys who did all of that atrocity, who led that, now have four more years of experience and are infiltrating into Afghanistan, commanding Taliban units, and will be doing it with efficiency. And I don't know if you've seen the videos of all of the weaponry that's left over. Oh, my it God. Is tragic. My They're only hope is that the genocide ends with the politicians, the military, and the sympathizers. I really hope they don't take it out on the general population. Let's be realistic, though. You and I damn well know, as much as we want to hope and pray they're not going to take it on the fucking population, you know, they're going to systematically go to all of the houses, take everything they can, including kids, and they're going to do what they want. And they don't really have a record of staying away from the civilian population and just keeping it within their own ranks and, and making it fair that way. They will target, they will use them. And as much as I know you want to be optimistic, I mean, come on, we've just no, given I'm, them- I'm I'm done being optimistic now. You know, I, I really tried to be nice. You know, everybody laughed at me because I was a long haired guy in flip flops trying to be nice and putting people to work and funding the girls in school and education. And I got laughed at for 10 years after, you know, hundreds of combat missions and experience downrange and forking over hundreds of thousands of my own dollars in this pursuit of helping other people. And people laughed at me. The generals laughed at me. The aid organizations laughed at me. The government politicians laughed at me. But there has not been one call that I've made that hasn't come true in reality. You can listen to the Lone Element podcast that I did last April of 2020. And I called it almost to the day of when this was going to happen. And I said exactly what was going to happen. It's because our politicians and our military leaders exist on this four-letter word of hope. Hope is not a plan. It is not a plan. A speech is not a plan. You know, just because you get on TV and say something does not mean it's the truth. Just because they put it down in a book and get some big name publisher to publish it does not mean it's the truth. It, it's, 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 it's crushing to me that this just keeps happening time and time again. Like, so to go back to the severity of it, what we are going to see is going to be, we're already seeing the videos of them leading people around on leashes, painting their faces black. That is just the tip of the spear, ladies and gentlemen. And it is going to be broadcast to the world what happens when you work with Western, with Western nations like the United States, like Canada, like Germany, 
like France, like the Netherlands, like the UK, like Australia, like New Zealand, they're going to show you what happens when you work with us. I mean, it is going to degrade Western foreign policy around the globe, period. And this was all done with your hard-earned tax dollars. I really wish people got paychecks, like old paychecks, where they got to see how much got pulled out in their taxes. I wish people looked at how much they got pulled out on their withdrawals on a piece of paper every month. Because what you would do is you would take that number that they pulled out, you would divide it in half, and that's what would go to this failing effort for 20 years. I'm a business owner. I can't do somebody failing on their objectives for me for two months. We allowed it to happen for 20 years. When we wrote our politicians and congressmen and senators, they just had their you know, young 20-year-old staffers write back to us these blanket copy-paste statements of, yes, we're on it. Oh, we're looking into it. Yeah, we'll bring it up. Oh, this is more efficient. We're doing what we can to support the soldier. Hey, look at what we've done for veteran benefits. Yeah, that's fucking cute. Like hundreds of thousands of people are going to die now because of their inability to understand their enemy and take a moral action toward preventing it from happening. Yeah, like if you're listening to this and you're a Biden fan, like don't take your vote as your failure on this. It's not your fault. It is not his fault, but it is his responsibility. This is what happens when you go and you walk the walk and you want to go get the big boy job. You have to put a team of competent people around you who are going to make this transition. They had all of the information for all of the interpreters that needed to get out. State Department did nothing. The military gave them all the information and all the intel reports that they needed to understand the situation and they ignored it. They had enough time to get all of those weapons and all of that military equipment that you paid for out of country. Now, all of those things are going to be used to wreak havoc on innocent people and minority groups within the borders of Afghanistan. It's unbelievable. I want to know. Number one, we know who is responsible to an extent. It is a long line of piss poor leadership that went from an era to an era. So I agree with you when it is not Biden's fault. But I do also agree with you when you say it's his responsibility. He is the current administration. He made the choices to do it the way he did it. How and is this? Are they really ever going to be held accountable for this? Nope. It's it's funny. So uh, if you've ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, old book. Okay, I haven't. Yeah, and just read it. it it's a great fiction. Everything else. Is, I end up reading just, everything you tell yeah. me to read, so I'll end up reading yeah, but, it. Don't worry. So I just ended up listening to it on Audible. I've been quoting stuff out of it for you know a decade now, and I because I've just read mm-hmm. bits and pieces. But I finally sat down and listened to the whole thing. And the best line out of the book is a president's job isn't to wield power. The president's job is is to distract from those who truly do. Not wrong. Just like you being like canceled today on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this piece that we wrote within 24 hours, 
you know, we were flagged for violating community guidelines. Yet we posted it on our company page and boosted it and threw a thousand bucks at it and they're willing to take our money. Of course they are. It. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn pulled it down off our company page in 24 hours. We had really? a guy that we served. Yeah. We had a guy that we served with in the Rangers. His wife was, you know, just middle America, suburban house mom, really cool lady, maybe a couple hundred followers on, on a private Facebook page. She shared it. She had 7,900 shares and over a thousand comments. Oh my God. In under 24 hours, Facebook pulled it down and they put her in Facebook jail. She couldn't go live. She couldn't advertise. They've limited her response and boosts. She is now like they, she filed against it. They let it back on. She got over 12,000 shares and then they shut her down entirely. Hmm. Facebook, like Instagram will not let me go live. They will not let me boost anything on my you know, public profile. If you try to search me, it's a shadow ban. Like if mm -hmm. you try to type in combat flip-flops, like usually combat flip-flops will pop up and then right below yep. will be combat flip-flops.griff. And like all of our team is like, so that way you can get to know us as people. You have to type in my full name and hit the search button for me to pop up. Yeah, you do. I did it after I saw that you were your buddy that posted that. I was like, oh, hey, Brady, Griff's banned from Instagram. He goes, oh, God. And I said, oh, yeah. And I said, and I read it to him. Like, I, he's, what is, how is that? He, we went on, the, he went on this rampage on this walk last and He goes, how the fuck is he being banned for that when ISIS can have a Twitter? When we can buy and sell people on Facebook, when we can quite literally promote terrorism and have beheading videos and they can recruit using our platforms, but you can't put an op-ed piece on, I, I don't, I'm not understanding. Because we're getting you to think. All of those other things that you see make you feel. Mm. they want you to feel because that overwhelms your body's ability to think that's right when we get you to think that's when you become dangerous and that's what they're stopping from happening is they're stopping people from thinking but do they not realize that you've been in the business of making people think for a decade now with your company lit quite literally I, with the I, I mean, know, are you fucking because I was the long haired guy. That was the long haired guy in flip flops, burning Bro. Crocs, right? Like, like nobody cared. <laughs> hey, well, here's the here's the difference between you and Jocko. <laughs> you both wear T-shirts. You both wear flip flops. You both wear shorts. One just has longer hair. Tell me why you're not. I don't understand. I'm, I'm not understanding because, you know, maybe they would have respected you more if you wore the Ranger panties. Like, I don't I'm not sure, but I'm not understanding really truthfully well, maybe I am, this is the problem. Maybe I am starting to understand truthfully why this shit is being banned and why this shit. But what I'm, I'm wrap, trying to wrap my brain around is I don't understand how they think they're going to get away with it with a company like yours that's been in the business of educating people for 10 years. They think that you're not going to find a way around this? Like, I'm not, did you, like, did you go right back? Like, what was the deal? Have they responded to you? No, I, I clicked in through Instagram. I had a support request to say, hey, please review. And I haven't heard anything okay. back. Yeah. And, and, and look, I get it. There's a really fine line between freedom of speech and freedom of speech on a private platform. Like right. We, we, we agree to their rules and regulations and their community guidelines, which are very loosely written and they're 
modified often for mm -hmm. their best interests. And I am subject to that and I completely and totally understand it. But me personally, I don't think being like a college educated person who is a TED talk speaker, a Henry Crown fellow, like I really don't, I, I abhor violence. If you know me, you know, I abhor violence. I want people to think, I want people to act. I want people to exercise their empathy muscles and I want them to do the right thing instead of doing a knee jerk reaction of, ah, Rangers smash, go to war. Like I truly do want people to think and I want them to feel and I want them to be more globally connected. And I want us to do the right thing for human beings and for the planet. I'm a fucking hippie at, at heart, <laughs> but I wasn't always that way, you right. know? And then like, it's, 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 un, it's, I get so distracted one, cause I haven't eaten all day cause I've been in the fight, but two, you know, it's just, I, I, it's disheartening. Right. You know, all the things that I preach are all the things that, you know, like I don't ride either side of the line. I consider myself like a libertarian. I love a dangerous freedom. I love it. Like that's, that's what it should be. Freedom should be everybody able to express their interests, even if you hurt somebody's feelings. But if you don't hear what the other high, other side has to say, then you'll never be able to come to an agreement somewhere in the middle. You'll never right. be able to express empathy. You'll never be able to get understanding and you'll never be able to meet them to, to a point to where you can get them to express their empathy muscles, understand where you're coming from and seek a different viewpoint. It's so polarizing right now and they want to keep us that way. And they've been doing a great job about it. I know in Canada, we're not seeing it in the media <clears throat> like at all really about what's going on in the country. I think now they're starting to talk about it in the sense of like a humanitarian deal, but they are not, they are not voicing what's going on in the country on our platforms and our media up here, at least. Um, I'm frankly dumbfounded at the amount of outreach people are needing right now. We have already had a group of individuals in a community very much on the edge in a big way. And all right. So I, I want to say something about that. Yeah. All right. Okay. If you're a veteran and you're listening to this, if you're a family member and you're listening to this, if you're really struggling with this, don't give those fucking pricks the satisfaction of taking one more life. Right. Did you just cut out? No, you're good, honey. All right. I'm going to, you can cut it again, but no, like you're if good. you're a veteran, if you're a service member, if you're a family member and you're really struggling with this, and if you're struggling with all of the memories of all the people that you lost and why you survived and why they didn't, and you think it was all for nothing, don't give those motherfuckers the satisfaction of taking your own life. You will not only like give them a win, but you'll put the burden of that on your family. Do not do it. It is your responsibility to stay in the fight, channel your pain into an educated literary argument through local public action to keep your representatives from chundering and like barreling headlong down into the same mistakes for our sons and daughters. This is our responsibility now. This is our burden to carry. We need to carry it forward and use all that pain and all that anger to take good, positive action to prevent this from happening again. Right. That's what I wanted to hear from you. See, you get it. 
you get it. See, I know how to prompt you, right? I'm getting there. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. I'm getting there. Yeah. There, there's need for that. There's need for what everyone just, what you just said. There's real big need for it right now. I'm telling you. Yesterday we spoke about you, Ron and I did on um, Mental Health Monday. And we spoke about you and then, and then Soul Viking came on and we, we, we talked about you there again. And um, the consensus really is uh, that you're a, you're a true leader in this community. And really what we've come to this ideal is Ron and I you know, spitballed this on Instagram live yesterday. We need to be coming together in this way. And there needs to be a almost summit of the lead vets in this community space. And there needs to be an open and honest conversation about what needs to happen, not only for this community, but to prevent what the fuck just happened. And I and Ron agreed, it would, you'd be hard pressed, like the government should be and would be terrified if that many of us got together and started making decisions and really pooling everyone's resources together in a big way. And they were, they, they immediately they go, well, like we know who's going to be included in that. We're like, yeah, of course he's included. He's like fucking leading that bullshit because you know what you're fucking talking about, man. Yeah. I, uh, I'm honored by your words. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's true. Appreciate it. I'm humbled. It's true. Yeah. yeah I just, still I, I really, I, I just, in my job, I've just met thousands upon thousands upon thousands of veterans who are, who are just confused in the space of getting out after. And this is before any of this happened, because we all felt that it was all for nothing. And we came back. You can look at all the news articles going back two or mm-hmm. three years and all the veterans say, like, is it really worth anything? Mm-hmm. And people have been asking me this for the better part of a decade. And it's like, yeah, man, it was so that way you could learn empathy. People ask me why I do so much for Afghanistan is because I was an asshole growing up. Like my shit didn't stink. I was a straight A student, badass athlete, went to West Point, Army Ranger. I was a hard motherfucker. And my first 40 feet outside the gate in Afghanistan, I learned what poverty looked like. I could not help but to have my heart, my like hard American heart be melted by these kids who were suffering. Right. This is the lesson that we learned by going there. We learned empathy. We learned how to work with people that have different backgrounds and different opinions than us. And we can translate those skills right into our local communities and help people here. Do not focus on doing it on a national scale. Do it on a local scale. Coach a baseball team. Find some kid that's like with a single mom who doesn't have a father figure around. Take that kid. Teach him how to play baseball. You know, I'm a wrestling coach. I get my kids on the mat. I show them how to be tenacious in life on the mat. Do those things. That's where it matters. That next generation is what matters. And then they look at you and they go, hey, I want to join the army. What do you think? And I was like, well, you know, it's a personal decision based on my experience. (laughs) (laughs) Based on my experience, I think you should really think long and hard about the reasons you want to go and do it. Do you want to go and do it because you saw a whole bunch of movies and you think the good guy is the one who kills all the most bad dudes and then gets the girl in the end? Because I hate to break it to you, kid. That's not the way it works. You'll go down range. You'll lose a whole bunch of friends. You might smoke some fools. 
that are just going to grow back. You're going to come back. You're going to have challenges in life. You're going to have a difficult family situation and people are going to put you in a box for the rest of your life. Now, as successful as I may be, as much as I've tried to get rid of all that, that background from my past and how I communicate myself now mm-hmm. to the outside world, I'm still stuck in that box and people will not remove me for it because of the nine years that I did between the ages of 18 and 27. Isn't that I'm fun? 42 now. I yeah. I, yeah. I'm talking publicly about things that happened when I was 19. I'm almost 32 years old. Why can't I be who I am now? Everybody yeah. loves a good struggle. Yeah. And, 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 you know, people ask me like, oh, you were this. I was like, yeah, it's who you were. It's not who you are. Exactly. And I use, I always use the example of World War II veterans. They smoked a whole bunch of Nazis, right? They liberated Europe. They liberated the Pacific. And then they came back and they all licked their wounds for about five to six, seven years. And then they built the Corvette, built some badass hot rods. They started hucking dudes into outer space. And they developed this country because of the, the lessons they learned. They learned teamwork. They learned working through problems. They learned creativity. All of those things they learned in that time frame. In a very short time frame, four years, they all learned that in. Right. And then they, they just raged for the next 30 using all of those lessons learned. And then it's our job as veterans now to do that. Exactly. That's what it's I our need. job. We need to yeah, do the summit. We need to have the summit. I'm not fucking kidding. It sounds ridiculous. I know how it sounds, but I'm, I'm dead fucking serious. There, could you imagine the shit that could get done when you get that many high, powerful people in a room that know how to execute, that know how to do the job and get it done properly, not just by saying it in social movement, but, but by changing law and bill and, and, and things that will prevent this bullshit from happening again. Like, could you imagine the power of that? I'm telling you, I know you don't have time. A lot of you don't have time but I'm going to hold all you fucks to it because I think it could really fucking work. Just saying. I'm, t- I'm torn on these summits. Why? You know, cause I've seen, like I've been to the one at Starbucks and Starbucks, you know, they go and they promote hire and all these veterans. I watch them, the drag generals through, I watch the CEOs get up and give these big speeches and it seems more self-serving than anything. And they come up with these great plans and ideas. And then everybody goes back to their regular life. And you got to deal with kids. You got to deal with grocery shopping. You got to deal with insurance. You got to deal with like home repairs and all those other things. And like as much energy is created in these summits, they typically fizzle out when they put into the field. Here's why. Here's why. You don't have the right people doing it. And you don't do all the bullshit. It is literally a like day or two where you force and not, and I mean, like, got to be a certain, doing a certain amount of shit. I don't mean, like, I started a fucking charity three months ago. You know, I think there's room for that. But I think I'm talking about the people that pull the strings, that have the ability to the, get to get to the top, that pulled the actual strings. And there's nothing but a fucking table. And we sit there and we go over this and we plan out ways to do community outreach using everybody's resources 
and bounce off all of those. There's no fucking money involved in anybody making anything. There's no fucking, you're getting paid to speak. There's no speaking. This is, we're all going to talk about this. We're all going to mitigate this. And we're all going to come up with a legitimate strategic plan that has action points that we can start implementing in our communities. And once we do that, that will start to spark. I don't think you need to do it the same way stupid... I mean, I don't think you need to do it the same way silly civilians do it. I think we are better at this. I'm serious. I'm telling you, you, I know that face. Don't do the face. You need their like egos out of this motherfucking shit. I'm not talking about like, I do this and I do that and promote this and you have to do, no, show up and sit down and have this conversation. I do not mean anything gnarlier than that. Don't make it a thing. It's not a fucking thing. We owe it to our people. We just do. This is our time now to fix things. We've left it to the politicians. We've left it to the people. The people have really struggled with that. And so have the politicians. So now give it to the people that know how to handle this type of thing and let us try. I don't understand why it's not worth trying. Just saying. I believe in you. Oh, great. Now it's all on me. Date and time, I'll be there. All right. Everybody wants to have the idea, but nobody wants to do the work. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm the one that says I don't want to do the work. That's my, that's that right there. That's the definition of me. Just no, I know you. You're just like fuck. us. I, I, I know you. You you make all your jewelry by hand. You banged it out just like we did. You're God, willing to grind. I get it. Don't worry. All I'm gonna get this going. I've I'm this is happening. I don't give a fuck how many of like I feel like the weird mom. Like, I'm gonna come grab all your earlobes and I'm gonna drag all you motherfuckers to the table and I'm gonna sit some coffee around and we're gonna sit there and we're gonna sort this out because that the least we can do. The least we can do for our community is sit there, combine resources in terms of overlapping help within charities, within community, within state and within town level and start communicating within those creating groups. Everyone seems to have their own version of it. Jocko's got one. He's got the Endure group. He, then you've got Ray Cash and they've got the way to help work on those people. Then we've got Black Rifle that does stuff over here. Then you've got Combat Flip Flops that hires within and then donates out and educate. We have too many good fucking resources within this community that we should be tapping into. We're not the CIA and the FBI. We don't need to fucking not talk. We can talk. It's okay. Compartmentalization doesn't work that well when we're all trying to do the same thing. Can you imagine if we just combine resources just one time, the fucking world will explode. It's going to happen. I'm forcing it. I don't care what anyone you say. I'm going to make it happen. Put me in, coach. Yeah, that's right. Start the car. Start the car. That's all I'm saying. Listen. You know, you know I will. I will. I will fire up an inflatable boat and cross an international border maritime to hijack you. you you know i will i know i know that's why but now i know i, know I can just walk across a park so like that's like... bro it's so <laughs> bad there the other day there's so many tents i was like i can't even cross the border for work but you can fucking attend with someone from america and there's no rules they're just keeping it going we got some cones though, so there's a little less. You should parking. make signs that say that. <laughs> they and what? just like just 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 like just like like 
I know I'm not welcome to to cross your border, but you guys are welcome to come bone here on this lawn. Yeah, right. On and this just lawn. signs like right on the American side. Yeah. It's so bad. The RCMP there make me laugh so hard. I walked by the other day when I was going for a walk. I know you got to go in a minute, but I walked by and um, the RCMP were talking to people on the on the U.S. side. Well, on like the park side. And the guys were like talking to them. They're like, hey, do you know when? Because this is when the Canadian um, the Canadian side was going to like strike because we didn't want Americans because we're allowed to come up to us, but we couldn't go down there. So that's just Trudeau's stupidity again. Um, so they, he's standing there and I'm just on my walk and I'm just, just, just doing my thing in my PJs, just doing my thing. And I walk by and they're like, do you know when it's going to be open? And I just couldn't <laughs> help myself. I just looked and I said, Hey, Hey, I can't come there. You can't come here. Stay the fuck over there. And the RCMP officer <laughs> just looked at me and goes, she's right. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, he, he just totally looked at me and threw his hands up and went, she's right. Like there's, it's okay. So anyway, I, I don't know. I quit. I quit. I can't, I can't deal with it. anymore. I quit. I just, it's going to be, I'm not going to be allowed to leave my province without a passport soon. So I'm real stoked on my life up here. My point is, is this can happen. And I'm serious when this needs to happen. Um, cause it's going to be people like you and it's going to be people like your business partner. It's going to be members of this community that have already showed up put their money where the mouth is and made the change. And those people stand out and they're going to continue to stand out in a big way. And I think if we, if we legitimately like team America, this shit, this, this would be a very dangerous group to fuck with and say no to. And I think it's like you said, it's our responsibility now to do this. Right. I had right, a, so I got, I, I got to bounce I know. here. So I'm going to cap this one up. I'm going to recap this whole podcast. Most important first, if you're a struggling vet, struggling with a situation, just remember one thing. Don't give those pricks the satisfaction of taking one more life. Don't let them have it. Never give them that win, ever. Second, think. If you want to read a good thinking piece, go to my website, combatfullplops.com. It's right on the homepage. We'll post it. Read that article and think. Lastly, Kelsey is going to make the summit of all summits. Uh, mm-hmm. with veteran leaders to change the planet. Oh, done. That's easy. I mean, I'll do that in my sleep, please. Yes. All right, guys. Go. Okay. Talk to you soon. Go enjoy Fox. And uh, everyone, please go check out uh, Combat Flip Flops and uh, Griff at Combat Flip Flops and uh, try to get this guy the shadow band. Thank you so much. See you all next week.